Welcome to the Keeping Kids Safe podcast. My name is Karen Cohn. I am the co-founder of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety. This is your number one resource for all things related to your child's emotional, physical, and social well-being. Now I'd like to introduce my co-host and my friend, the executive director of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety, Megan Ferraro. Hi, Megan. Hi, Karen. Good morning. Hi, Megan. Good morning. How are you today? I'm great. And I'm so excited to introduce all of our listeners to Amber Rollins. Amber is the director of kids and car safety who has been with the organization since 2005. Good morning, Amber. Good morning, ladies. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. So why don't we start out by um, asking you to tell us a little bit about your organization, Kids and Cars. Yeah, so Kids and Cars Safety is a national nonprofit organization, and our mission is to save the lives of children in and around vehicles. And just to give you a little bit of background, we'll give you the SparkNotes version. Um, we started back in 1995, and our president and founder is Jeanette Fennell. So she started the organization after a terrifying incident with her family. They were coming home Hall Halloween weekend. Actually, we just celebrated the um, 27th anniversary of her survival. And um, some men with masks on snuck under their garage door before it could close all the way, put her and her husband in the trunk of the car, drove them out to the middle of nowhere and left them to die inside the trunk with no way out. And the entire time that was happening, they had no idea what was happening to their nine-month-old baby, Alex, who was in the back seat. And they survived. Um, Jeanette actually was able to dig through the carpeting, found a cord, pulled it, and the trunk popped open. And um, what had happened to the baby is he was strapped in his car seat. They took him out, threw him in the front yard, and left him there. And you know, he was still strapped in. So he was safe and happy, even smiling when the um, law enforcement found him. So their story ended with a happy ending. And Jeanette said, you know, this is just crazy. So many people weren't this lucky. And um, she decided that she needed to do something. So she went on to fight for trunk releases to be required in all vehicles as standard equipment. She was successful in that mission. And, um, the best news ever is not one person has died in the trunk of a car that has a trunk release. So those wow. original cars, 2002 and newer now. And people came to her after that and they said, Hey, there's all these other issues that no one's doing anything about, you know, kids are dying in hot cars and they're being run over because the driver can't see them and, you know, power window strangulations and all these other things. And, you know, she kind of was just out to do the trunk thing, but she decided that if she wasn't part of the solution, she was part of the problem. So that's kind of how Kids in Cars then was born. And um, we've been working hard ever since. Wow, that's an incredible journey that it sounds like she and your organization have been on. I can't imagine. Yeah, she's an incredible woman. I feel very lucky to have come into her life and been able to work with her. So I've been with kids and cars for 17 years now. And, um, you know, she's just amazing. She continues to amaze me every day. Incredible. 
you know, we think when we think about, you know, kids and car safety, I think so much of what we think about today is related to kids being left in hot cars. I know growing up, the family that lived down the street from us lost a child who was playing hide and seek in the trunk. Um, and so he was young at the time. So who knows if he would have even been able to figure out the trunk release. Um, but you know, that just brings you right into that, that kids being left in hot cars, talking to your kids about never playing hide and seek in a car. And so I wonder if you can talk to us a little bit about the kids, you know, being left in hot cars issue Mm -hmm. and how that's kind of unfolding. It's really a national story every single summer, um, in the last several years. It's one of the hardest issues that we've ever worked on as an organization and, you know, something nobody wants to talk about, but it's so important. So, um, you know, the, the issue is really a misunderstood issue and it was something that really wasn't happening until the mid to late 1990s. And the reason we know that, and I always think of this parallel between drowning deaths and hot cars because, um, of the, the struggle with the data. So outside of our organization, data on children left alone in vehicles doesn't exist. It, I mean, it's just, we are the only people in our country, believe it or not, that are tracking on a national basis, both fatal and non-fatal cases of children left in vehicles. And so, um, that's kind of one of the very unique things about kids in cars is all of the things that we work on, we have collected data on and brought to the national agenda. And so we learned by looking at that data going backwards that children weren't dying in hot cars until we moved them to the back seat. You know, you guys may or may not remember, but in in the early 1990s and prior to that, um, children rode in the front seat. And then there was this huge national campaign to move them to the back seat because airbags were killing babies in the front seat. They were overpowered airbags and exploding and, and even like a minor crash would kill that child in the front seat. And so we have done a great job of eliminating that danger by moving them to the back seat. However, if you look at airbag deaths and compare them to hot car deaths, you it's, it's really this just unbelievable correlation between the two. As soon as kids stopped dying because of airbags, children started being forgotten in vehicles. They, they went from basically being non-existent to, you know, in 30, 40 deaths or more a year. And the reason for that is because children are out of sight when they're in the back seat. They're in a rear-facing car seat, so the driver can't see them. You know, that car seat looks the same to the driver, whether there's a baby in there or not. And unfortunately, the way that our memory systems and our brain work, out of sight can also mean out of mind. And that this, that's how these babies are being forgotten. And there's this thing that we kind of all go through every day called autopilot. So a lot of people can probably relate to getting in the car in the morning, driving to work, and then literally having no recollection of how they got there. They can't remember turning left at the stoplight. You know, they, they just went because they were in autopilot mode. And we do that every day. It's this part of our brain. It's the basal ganglia. It takes over and it's this reptilian sort of um, piece to our brain that helps us survive. You know, it, it turns on when we're fatigued, 
and exhausted and, um, you know, overwhelmed, which is kind of, um, par for the course for parents with young children. And, um, so that autopilot engages to help us survive and get through our day. And unfortunately that basal ganglia is unable to account for changes in routine. So the way that these tragedies happen when children are unknowingly left or forgotten in the car is gotta be this perfect storm of circumstances. And these are so predictable and they're also so preventable because we know how they happen. You've gotta have you know, a sleep deprived parent, which is again, everybody with young children. And there's gotta be some type of change in that normal morning routine. And that's one of the biggest indicators. We see that in almost every single case. And these are loving, responsible parents. Very similar to the, you know, the population of parents who have lost a child to a drowning. They're all loving, responsible parents. There's just that lapse in supervision um, that occurs. That's natural, right? Everyone has to use the restroom or change another child's diaper. And it's just trying to figure out how to elevate the importance of understanding of risks around water for both parents and children, right? Uh, teaching our children at a young age. And I also think about the advent of, um, you know, personal, you know, cellular devices really started in the late 1990s. Um, and so that's happening at the same time that car seats are now being rear facing and in the back seat. And I imagine that that plays a role in distraction, right? You, you, get to work, you park your car, you look at your phone. And, and instead of like getting your kid out of the car seat, the first thing you're doing before you get out of the car is looking at your, your phone, checking your email, checking your schedule. And that I'm sure plays a role in that kind of breaking the chain of what you would typically do. Yeah. You know, we, as parents, we live in a completely different world than parents did 20 years ago. We are expected to be at work, answering emails, responding to text messages right away. You know, if someone texts you and you don't respond in one minute, they're thinking, you know, something's happened. And, um, you know, we're just expected to be everybody, everywhere for everybody at all times. And we are not designed to keep up with that. And so there is this element of distraction and um, really, really important to be present and um, and mindful of what's happening in your car at all times. Amber, so I did see um, it was really not in my car, but in a rental car that I was in where now there are these reminders, you know, to check your back seat before you get out of the car. And I think that's also something that should be in all cars, right? So this is something that we really want people to hear and understand. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Um, there's two different types of safety systems out there and vehicles. The one that you described is a reminder to check the back seat. And that is the most common and widespread system right now. It's a good step in the right direction, but it's not what we really need to address this issue in a effective and comprehensive manner. So just to kind of start, cause this is kind of confusing. People are really, even people who've been involved in the fight for technology are still confused about this. So I'm gonna try to break it down um, in, in the most simple terms that I can. So we call that the rear seat reminder alert. It's door logic. 
So the way it works is if you open your back door before you drive somewhere, when you turn your car off, your car is going to go beep, beep, beep. And there's going to be a little icon or a message on your dash to remind you to check the back seat. And what we're seeing is consumers are completely missing this and they're getting tons of false alarms because that reminder goes off, whether there's a baby in the back seat or not, you could put a bag of Cheetos back there or nothing at all. As long as you open the back door, you're going to get the reminder. So what we know from, you know, previous efforts is that when you get lots of false alarms, you get alert fatigue and you start to ignore them. And so we've actually documented two cases already of children that have died in vehicles that had that reminder alert. And so we've got to take it a step further. So this other type of system is what we're really pushing for. And it is called occupant detection. So we want that system to be able to actually detect the presence of a child inside that vehicle. These systems are so sophisticated, they can actually tell the difference between an adult and a baby, or even a pet that might be trapped inside of a hot car. And they they do that by, some of them use radar, some use LIDAR. There's even some carbon dioxide um, detection type systems that can detect the various levels of carbon dioxide in the vehicle. And the radar and LIDAR, they detect micro movements within the body so they can tell the difference between a little baby's heart beating and a grown-up's heart beating. And so they know if that little baby heart is beating in the car and there's no grown-up heart beating in the car, there's a baby alone in the car. And then they work with the various systems in the vehicle to provide a reminder alert to check the back seat, but only when there's actually a child back there, which is important. So we don't get those false alarms. They can send push notifications to the cell phone they can sound the alarm on the car. They can even send GPS coordinates to law enforcement and say, hey, nobody's responding. This baby is in the car. We need to get there fast. And this technology wow. has been around for years and it's cost efficient. I know I was thinking about the fact that um, my daughter, when she's in her booster seat and she takes her seatbelt off, we could be in car line. And she doesn't sit back down and put the seatbelt back on. The car's beeping like crazy to alert me that that there's someone sitting in that seat without their seatbelt on. Yes. So it seems like the technology, even in my you know five year old Toyota Highlander, exists for that. It, there should be a way for it to exist on these newer cars. Um, but in the meantime, what are some ways that families and parents um, can put systems in place? physical systems in place until the technology catches up with where we need to be. Yeah. So just really quickly about the technology and, and kind of where we're at with that before we talk about safety tips, we were successful after many, many years of trying um, to get a federal bill passed last year. It was part of the infrastructure bill. There was a provision that calls for technology in all new vehicles to prevent hot car deaths. So this is a huge step in the right direction. We are currently waiting on that rulemaking process to be finalized. Uh, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is studying the different types of technology out there as you know, currently. And the final rule uh, what, for what the automakers are gonna have to install is due next November. So a year from now, 
Um, and we couldn't be more excited. We're really working hard to make sure that what's required is that occupant detection type system versus just the reminder. And unfortunately, um, you know, the auto industry seems to be um, not in favor of that going through that way. So um, they are currently installing those reminder alerts only because they don't want to install the more expensive technology. And like one of our just core values at Kids and Car Safety is that we believe that no matter what vehicle a family can afford, they deserve the same protections for their children. And that's why these systems have to become standard because the way it currently is, is automakers will put these systems in their higher end luxury vehicles that most families can't afford, or they put them in that, um, you know, high level, high trim level that costs $8,000 extra when you buy your car. And, um, and then, you know, you can't afford that either as a, a family with young children. So we we really are pushing for these safety standards for that reason. All children deserve to be protected no matter what mommy and daddy can afford to spend on a vehicle. So in the meantime, because that rulemaking process will take another year to complete, at least if there's no delays, and then years for that technology to be filtered down into everybody's vehicle, we've gotta be doing stuff um, that, that can prevent this outside of that technology. So right now there is, um, one car seat manufacturer that does offer a, um, a solution. So it's even flow has what's called the sensor safe technology in some of their car seats. And it's a smart chest clip that connects to your phone via Bluetooth. So the way it works is, and I'm actually have my son in this car seat right now because I'm trying this out to you know see how it works. Um, when I buckle him in, I, this little light flashes and it goes beep beep beep, and it knows that he is buckled into the car. So then we get in the car, we drive somewhere. I turn the car off. If I don't unbuckle that chest clip and I walk away from the vehicle, it's going to send a push notification to my phone. And I've got three minutes. It's going to keep reminding me over and over again. It's really annoying. <laughs> it's it, but, which is the point, you know. We want you to not miss that alert. If three minutes go by and you haven't unbuckled that child and gotten them out of the car, then it sends a push notification to your emergency contacts with GPS coordinates of where that chest clip is buckled, so that somebody can get there or contact you and alert you that the child is in there. Now that I will warn people, the one issue that you know could happen with this is if you forget your phone, you're not going to get the alert. However, your emergency contacts will. So that's a kind of like backup plan there. But also, you know, you talked about um, your neighbor that got into the car on their own. It's not going to protect a child who gets into a vehicle and gets trapped. And that's about one fourth of hot car deaths happen that way. And that's another major problem with that reminder alert. It's not going to protect the children who gain access to a vehicle. So that even flow system, the sensor safe technology, it's a good extra layer of protection, but we really encourage parents not to rely on it 100%. So there's a few things, a few habits we want people to get into in their everyday life to help prevent this from happening. So create a reminder item 
could be a big stuffed animal, could be the diaper bag, but whatever it is, it's this, you know, big obtrusive um, item that you put in the front seat with you every time the child is with you. So, you know, you could keep it in the car seat. And then anytime you put the baby in the car seat, you bring that item up front as your visual reminder that your child is there. So we work with memory experts um, on this topic, and they believe that that is likely the most effective safety tip that we can communicate because it's that loss of awareness that the child is with you that causes them to be left behind. So if you have that visual reminder next to you, you're gonna see it and you're not gonna lose that awareness. Another thing I did with my son when he was little is um, I would play baby music in the car every time he was with me. I'm not playing baby shark if he's not in the back seat. I can promise you that. So that baby music really kept me in that um, conscious mindset that he was with me. And I found that really helpful. Um, and I, I started doing that actually after a day when I did lose awareness that he was with me. And this was after over a decade of working on this issue, you know, becoming an expert on the issue. I knew everything. I'd, I'd spent the last 12 years of my life convincing people that this could happen to them. And then it happened to me. I had a change in my morning routine and I turned to go home to work instead of to daycare. And, you know, just really freaked me out and drove home the fact that this can actually happen to anyone, even somebody who knows more about it than most people on planet earth. Right. So, you know, I think that really drives home that point. Um, so create those visual reminder alerts. If the sound is helpful for you, play that baby music. Another thing you can do is to put something that you need to start your day on the floor in front of your car seat. So I really, really like to be very careful about how we communicate this tip because a lot of people say, put something important in the back seat. And then immediately everybody goes, oh, no, there's nothing more important than your baby. And so it's really more about that item being something you can't move through your morning without. You know, if I sit down at my desk and I don't have my computer, I can't work. So I'm going to have to go to the back seat to get it. And that that's kind of the idea. So whatever that item is for you, it could be an employee badge that allows you to get into your building to go to work or... You know, it's different for everyone. And then, you know, there's a different set of tips to prevent children from getting in and getting trapped inside of cars. So keep your cars locked. It's really simple. 100% of the time, even if you don't have children, children get into neighbor's cars all the time. Keep them locked. Keep your keys and your remote key fobs somewhere inside your house that children cannot reach. And you want to really think like a toddler when you come up with this place because Kids are little ninjas. They will pull a chair over and climb up on the chair to reach something that they want and, you know, do things that you wouldn't believe that, you know, you, you would think they couldn't even do. So find a very special place, make it a 100% habit. And, um, and then of course, you know, if your child goes missing, this is another one of these parallels that we, we see between drownings and hot car deaths. It's, a lot of times when children sneak out of the house, they end up in the pool or they end up in a car or they end up being backed over or run over in the driveway because someone leaving or arriving wasn't able to see them. So we want to childproof our homes. 
keep those doors leading to the outside you know, with the, the childproof knobs. They make them for all different kinds of door handles and knobs. And then there's these little stick-on alarms that you can buy that you plug a little receptor into the wall and you just stick these things on the door and the door frame and it's going to alert you with an audio chime every time you open the door. So important. I always tell families that I'm working with, this is probably one of my number one safety tips to prevent so many different types of tragedies from happening. We've got to know if these little guys are sneaking out of the house. So it's so important and we've got to try to prevent them from doing that. So two layers of protection there, make sure they can't get out of the house. And if they do go missing, check the pool if you have one immediately or any body of water. And then just like a pool, a vehicle creates an imminent risk for little children in a very short amount of time because it acts like an oven. So you wanna check the inside trunk and floorboard of all of the vehicles in the area immediately. Those are such great tips and such good pieces of advice. I want to go back to something you were talking about earlier, um, and that is related to this legislative push that you guys are working on. How can our listeners help support your efforts? So right now, the the rule is um, in that rulemaking process, and people can write to their U.S. representatives, members of Congress, ask them to support the efforts um, for occupant detection. And very soon there's gonna be a public comment period where the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration issues their proposed rule. And they will say, this is what we think should happen. That's what the proposed rule is. And then they ask for the public to comment on that. And anybody can provide comment. And, you know, we really want to encourage people to comment and say we need occupant detection because a reminder alert alone just isn't going to be enough. And if people are interested in staying up to date on that and getting notified when that rulemaking or when that notice of proposed rulemaking is issued, they can sign up for our newsletter on our website, which is kidsandcars.org. Great. We will um, be sure to remind you listeners um, through our social media posts on how you can access that information. Um, and Amber, as a parent of four young kids, I can't thank you enough for the work that you're doing. And I did have one more question, and that was related to um, the ages during which these incidents most often occur related to kids being left in car seats. Is there a time frame or an age range during which this is most common? Yes. Almost 100% of these cases are children age five and under. So the children who are unknowingly left in cars are most commonly in that rear-facing age group. So, you know, age two and under, most of them are one and under. But, um, you know, we do see two and three-year-olds who are also left behind. These little guys fall asleep in the car you know, you can't see them in their rear facing car seat and you can't hear them because they're quiet, they're sleeping and they can't unbuckle themselves. So they are definitely at the highest risk. And then for children who get into the car on their own, that age group is slightly different. So it's mostly age one to four. We're seeing this happen. And um, a lot of people think, my gosh, a one-year-old could not get into a car on their own, but 
I'm here to tell you it has happened. And, you know, it's mostly that 18 months and older, um, kind of group. And they're, like I said earlier, they're ninjas, you know, they, they will pull a stool over, they will climb up and hang on that handle and get in, you know, they, they know how to do it. They watch us do it. And so, you know, people with early childhood age children need to be hyper aware of these dangers. And it's also really important to point out that the overwhelming majority, 68% of children who get into cars on their own and can't get out are little boys. And that will come to no surprise to anybody who knows a little man because they love cars. All their heroes drive cars. They play with their Hot Wheels. You know, it's just ingrained in them at a very early age. That's so true. (laughs) As a mom of three young boys, that's so very true. Oh, yeah. And they're just, you know, mostly more adventurous than girls and, um, you know, just into mischief. Well, it's, you know, we see parallels between that and drowning prevention efforts as well. We know that boys are much more likely to drown than girls because they are risk takers um, in a way that girls aren't typically. So, you know, it's another, another layer that we as parents need to be thinking about to keep our kids safe, to create a happy, healthy lives for our children and for ourselves, because there's nothing quite like the loss of a child to really change the trajectory of your life. So, heavy episodes listeners, but a really important one filled with some great safety tips. Thank you so much for having me. Amber, is there anything else that we didn't get to talk about that you want to share? Um, I don't think so. You know, we, I guess we would, I'd really invite your listeners to, to go to our website, check out all the other dangers that we work on. A lot of these things are, um, you know, dangers that, people have never even thought about, didn't even know existed, like the power window strangulations and um, the risks of having your child safety locks on on the back doors of your vehicle and the risks of having them off. And, um, you know, seatbelts while you're pregnant. Um, Nobody's talking about these things and they're really very important. Vehicles are one of the number one killer of children in our country. And so, Um, You know, if there's one thing that people can do to really safeguard their children, this is, this is something they should be focusing on. And um, we've got great social media pages where we're sharing the latest and greatest. So, you know, please follow us there. And I just want to thank you guys also for the work that you're doing. Karen, you've been through something that nobody should have to experience. And I just, as a mother, heartbroken for you but also my heart is so full because of the things that you've done to honor your child. And it's amazing. I'm, I've just enjoyed learning about the Zach foundation and what you guys are doing. And I'm, I'm so proud of you for turning your tragedy around. Oh, thank you for saying that. That's really very kind. And thank you for the work that you're doing because this episode is really good and really important for us to share with our listeners. So thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to meet you guys. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would please um, rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and share with your friends and family, we would be so grateful. And with that, have a great week and we'll talk with you soon.